0: The Copywriter Club podcast is sponsored by Air Story, the writing platform for professional writers who want to get more done in half the time. Learn more at airstory.co forward slash club.
1: What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work. That's what Rob and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast.
0: You're invited to join the club for episode 55 as we talk with paid search expert Amy Hebden about search marketing, the tools and skills you need to do it right, best practices for testing and messaging, and whether copywriters can drive quality leads for their own businesses with paid search. (music)
1: Amy, welcome. Hi, good to be on here. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, thanks for hanging out with us today. Um, I think a great place to start is with your story and just how how did you get into paid search?
2: Sure. So I am one of those people who always wanted to work in advertising. Like it's been my dream career basically, like since I was seven. And I majored in marketing communications in school, and I spent the next several years temping, basically trying to find jobs. Um, At the time, I was living in the Bay Area, and it was right around the time of the dot-com bust, so I wasn't able to find anyone who wanted to hire a brand new copywriter with no experience. And I ended up, a few years later, I got a job in New York as a web designer. So I was going to work every day, basically hoping that wasn't the day that I got fired because really my web design skills were not that great. I was not that good at coding. And I had all these design challenges that I had no idea how to solve for. Like looking back, I don't think they actually would have fired me. Like I think it was fine for what their clients needed, but it was really stressful for me to not know what I was doing and not really know how to do a good job with that. And, you know, working in this this little design agency, it was a really cramped office space. And the woman who sat behind me, there was there's was no space between our chairs and so every time she even stood up. She bumped me. It was really uncomfortable. And she was doing AdWords and digital marketing. And one day, she well, she had gone to this conference about web marketing, I think. And she had come back and management had asked her to give a report on what she had learned. And during her presentation, they asked her what click-through rate was, and she wasn't able to explain it. Like she didn't know what it was, which it's pretty essential if you're doing digital marketing to even have a basic understanding of click-through rate. So they fired her basically immediately after that, and they offered me her job. So I was kind of in heaven because I was discovering AdWords, which it turned out I really loved, and I was able to move in my chair. <laughs> there wasn't someone sitting behind me. So <laughs> I, you know, I think I would have liked anything that got me out of doing web design. But I really took to, to paid search and to AdWords just with how much accountability there was, you know, at the time, Google didn't even own an analytics tool yet, there was really no good way to test and measure different kinds of optimizations. But here was this platform that we could really test everything we wanted and learn, you know, what changes I'm making that are able to influence the growth of this account and really accomplish what I'm trying to. So I was really drawn to that. And I, I've been really drawn to it ever since and re- doing AdWords basically for 13 years since then.
0: So Amy, I want to be sort of dumb like that person who was fired and get really, really basic on this. Tell us what is paid search? What does it include? You know, what are what are all of the, the moving parts of paid search?
2: Yeah, so paid search has really evolved, I would say from those days. Basically, the idea of paid search is it's a way to show up on the search engines or search engine results pages in a sponsored listing as opposed to, you know, an organic listing where Google just finds you. You're, you're paying to, to participate and to show up in the top of the listings. Now, what a search engine is and does has definitely evolved. So instead of just having Google proper that you go to, well, Google owns YouTube. And so YouTube basically is its own search engine as well. And so video ads is a way to participate in paid search. Google owns Gmail. So Gmail sponsored promotions, Gmail ads are another way to participate in paid search. Google offers app ads, they have quite a few apps that you're able to mark on as well as the what they call the display network, which is over 2 million websites that are involved somehow with Google with AdSense or whatever that you're able to run ads on. And so it really has grown pretty far beyond just the search engine listings and results pages to really help your company get found basically anywhere on the internet for the most part.
1: Okay, let's say I'm a copywriter who's been doing my thing, has not dived into paid search at all. Why is it important? Why do I need to know about it, even if I'm not in a role like yours, where I'm, you know, an expert? Why is it really important for all copywriters today to know about?
2: Yeah, I think that if you're a copywriter who's involved in landing pages at all, the overlap between ads and landing pages is really significant. Like I could create the best campaign in the world. But if it's going to you know, a 404 page, it's not going to convert, right? Or if it's going to a homepage that doesn't have a compelling offer on it, I'm not going to get those conversions. And so it's not going to work in terms of the paid traffic that we're driving people to. And on the flip side, being being a copywriter or being involved in that page can really, Affect how everything, how everything works together. So everything from like the page speed load time can affect the quality score of your AdWords campaign, which affects how much you're paying and essentially how much traffic you're able to drive to whether the page, the landing page includes the keywords that we're bidding on. Like if there's a high degree of relevancy, the page is going to do better and convert better. But if you're not aware of what keywords are being used or how people are finding the page, then the page can't perform as well. And so as a copywriter, it really, I would say, behooves you to understand how the traffic is getting there. So you can really speak to those people who are finding you and make sure they get the best experience possible, then you're able to improve conversion rates and, you know, frankly, up your prices, right, and up your game and and the performance that you're able to provide.
0: So let's say that I'm working on a paid campaign or I've been assigned a paid campaign and I haven't really done one before. What are some of the basic things that I need to be starting to think through knowing that I might be working with someone like you who's going to be doing, you know, managing the ad buy or managing the placements of the different ads as a copywriter? What do I need to know?
2: Well, as a copywriter, I think it's really important to understand the relationship between a keyword, an ad, and a landing page. I think copywriters, it's not something they always have to be thinking about. And if you're a a copywriter that does SEO, this probably doesn't pertain as much to you. But if you're not used to SEO and you're used to being able to go in and write a headline that's just designed to you know, capture attention the importance of including a keyword in that headline and making sure it's really relevant to the keyword that we're bidding on for the campaign, it's, it's going to make a big difference, right? You can't just have a headline that's like, you know, they laughed when I sat down at the piano, it has to really speak to the query that had someone go to a search engine in the first place and ask a question, and then find an ad that looks like it's going to answer that and then get on a page that matches that, Expectations set by the ad. So, being able to have a certain degree of transparency into what are the keywords and what are the search terms that are involved in this is really going to help you better understand, um, you know, the intent of the page, the the purpose of the page, and how to craft it in a way that it's going to help it convert better.
1: So, I imagine, you know, you've worked with with your experience, and uh, I think you mentioned thirteen years. Uh, working with multiple copywriters, what are some of the mistakes you've seen copywriters make repeatedly, uh, maybe in ads, messaging, those landing pages? You mentioned, you know, possibly a 404 page, but what are some of the big mistakes that we need to be aware of with the copy that we're working on from your perspective?
2: Yeah, I would say that one of the challenges to to kind of get used to and this is for anyone who starts in to paid search whether you're a copywriter or not people's instinct is to write copy with kind of the AIDA mentality where like oh i need to capture someone's attention and they're thinking billboards and they're thinking what can i do to make someone you know stop on their tracks and that's really not how i'll just say the the ad side of paid search works at all like if you're if you're typing your problem into Google, you're not looking for an ad, you're going to skip right by anything that feels like an ad, you want something that essentially feels native, that it feels like a, an answer to your question. And so seeing those same keywords, and just really speaking like bare bones, like you're looking for a car wash, come over to our car wash, right? Like and getting really specific using that keyword and just giving back to someone basically repeating back to them, what they were looking for is going to be a lot more effective than trying to spend too much time looking into the you know the emotional reasons behind what someone's looking for without acknowledging their actual question. I see that happen a lot and it's kind of funny because copywriters will kind of come in and say, oh, you know, paid search, they just don't know how to write an ad. Everything's boring. Everything's the same. I'm going to be different and show them how it's done. And I've never seen that beat an ad that actually is really relevant to what someone's specifically looking for. I just haven't seen it happen. There are occasions where you could potentially get a higher click through rate by kind of doing some sort of clickbaity ad that can capture people's attention. But on the other side of things, you just paid for that click where you wouldn't have otherwise and if it doesn't exactly match what someone ultimately is looking for. If it's just a curiosity click you just wasted budget. It's not like an email where you just get to send an email and if someone clicks through that's gravy. You're paying every time someone clicks and so you want to be really cautious and make sure that the ad really matches that intent that of someone who is going to convert on that following page. And I think that ends up being something that can take people a while to get used to if they're not used to attention, meaning just kind of straightforward solution to what someone typed in.
0: Interesting. Amy, you mentioned things like including keywords in headlines or in ads, that kind of thing. But we often hear advice that we shouldn't be writing for Google, we should be writing for people. Does that only apply to things like blog posts, and maybe landing pages? Or does that also apply to ads? And is Is there a conflict there and how do you resolve it if there is?
2: Well, that's an interesting question. And I think for SEO, that certainly holds up that, I mean, well, I'll say either way, you want to be writing for people, but what people are looking for, you know, if, if I'm typing something in, I want to see that result in the listing. I want to know that that's what you're offering. And so writing for me means that you understand what I just asked for and you're giving it to me with it, with a Google ad. We have very small space now Last year, it kind of opened up to something called expanded ads. Prior to that, you know, for More than a decade, we had 25 characters for the headline and then a total of 70 for the description. Like that's less than a tweet. It's really not a lot of space. We have a little more space now with a double headline and an expanded description, but it still ends up being 140 characters. It's not much room to play with. And so making sure you're covering the basics, you know, what are you looking for? I want to show you I understand what it is. I want to show you I have an answer to your problem. That's about as much room as you get. So you don't have a chance to be really clever or to say anything. Anything other than, you know, here's the basics, here's the benefits of clicking on this ad and then getting them over to the landing page. There's this adage, a confused mind says no. And nowhere is that more true than on the search engine results page. I have a problem and I'm looking for something. If I don't know what you do, I'm not going to click on it. I'm going to keep on looking for something that does speak to my needs.
0: So if I need like a plumber, you know, I've, I've got a clogged sink. I don't want to spend any time with things like founded in 1974 or I've been serving the Denver area for, you know, however long, or, you know, I'm certified by the U S plumbers association. I don't want to waste any time on that. I want to say something like, I fix clogged sinks. I mean you you get right to the problem.
2: Right, so let's get right to the problem and say I fix clogged sinks. You know, I'm a plumber that fixed your clogged sinks as opposed to, you know, and this is where I see people go wrong, so I'll just I'll mention it. Like, are you tired of not being able to have, you know, clean clean dishes because you know, kind of starting out with that that Emotional connection, you know, what's, what's the problem underneath the problem? Why is this an issue for them? Like you, you don't really have room to do that. You need to get right to like, you know, we're going to, we're going to clean your sink here. We're going to be a plumber that's going to help with that. Those other things you mentioned that might help build credibility. Those can still have a place in the ad because once I understand that you're a plumber, why am I going to choose you over someone else? So that can belong in the description or it can belong in what's called ad extensions, which are those different little snippets that you see that are underneath an ad, you know, when they get really long, there can be you know, there's there's different kinds of ad extensions, where that gives you room to say different things like, you know, since 1974, or serving the Denver area or different things that's going to help you understand, this is important to me, it's near me, it's credible. But your headline space is going to be focused on, you know, the plumbing aspect of what you do and getting that sink unclogged.
1: So, I mean, it sounds so basic, but I just want to repeat it. So you're basically saying, you know, the ad needs to have the correct keywords so that you are answering that question that somebody is asking in Google. And then when you jump over to the landing page, you need to make sure you're not getting <laughs> too fancy. You're speaking to that same answer, right? That same response to that question when you jump over to the land. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you
2: say that it sounds basic. I think it is really basic. And it surprises me, like genuinely surprises me how much people manage to screw this up. Because it seems like the most obvious thing that's hard (laughs) to not do well. So when I first started I'm like, well right. this is really easy to do. Like anyone could do paid search because it's just know what your keywords are, include them in the in the ad, make sure the ad describes the landing page, you know, have a good offer. Like that's really all there is to it. But people overthink and underthink it all the time. And so like regularly I'm going into these huge accounts that have just completely messed it up and missed the mark. Like you would be really surprised at how rarely that's actually applied.
1: Well, and I and I've messed it up too and I think part of the Challenge. what I've seen with projects is that multiple people are managing different parts of a project. So where, where a copywriter might come in and write the landing page, they may not even be aware of what those ads actually look like, what those ads are saying. So there's just like a bigger problem. So I'm interested in hearing how you... Overcome that, and specifically, like, what does your process look like when you're working with a client? Just to give us some context of like how you do it and the correct way to do it.
2: I think it's really important to honestly start with the landing page. You want to start with with the offer. You know what someone's going to get. What what the client is really. You know what their business goals are. Why they want to pay for traffic here in the first place. Sometimes clients aren't thinking about that path between. Keyword and landing page. They're just saying, we want to buy these keywords and they're not, you know, they, they don't even realize where they want to send people to. So that's how we end up with a homepage. Or I see this a lot still using a contact us page as a lead gen form because they're like, well, there's a way for us to capture information. They're not at all thinking about that whole process of, you know, what someone's going to do, why they would take the time to fill out that lead form. So starting with, you know, what's, what's your business goal? What's the best offer that's going to help you accomplish your business goal? making that the call to action, making that what someone gets from the page and then working backwards. So one thing that I think a lot of copywriters have an advantage of that I don't is that if you're hired to write a landing page, you usually have some sort of budget to, you know, interview someone or do some sort of research, you know, some sort of data mining to figure out what do people, you know, what are people's real needs here? I don't have any budget like that. I don't get to go interview anyone. So basically, all I can do is take what's on the landing page and make a small ad from that, right? Because if it's not on the landing page, there's no point in me saying it in the ad. Like if I were going to say, to go back to Rob's point, if I were going to say, I'm a plumber since 1974, and you get to the page, and there's no evidence that I've been doing this for any amount of time that's ruining the trust that I just tried to build. Because if it's not on the landing page, I say kind of, it ends up not being true. You know, it's not true to the prospect because they can't find evidence of it anywhere. So making sure you've got that landing page that really addresses everything that needs to be addressed, then I can create a quick ad that almost acts like a teaser, right? Kind of um, kind of a trailer for the movie, like here's, here's the things that are most important. And I can test some different messages and play with it. But then I have that ad and the keywords that are going to go along with it and And so kind of working backwards usually makes a lot more sense than spending a ton of time researching keywords to drive to a page that don't even address those issues at all.
0: That's really interesting because it seems to me a lot of clients work forwards. They start with the ad and then they think, okay, where is the ad going to point? which is how you get with, you know, home pages is often being the landing page. Or if they're smarter, you know, they're looking to uh, have a specific sales page created. But it's very rare that it's like, let's start with the offer. Let's start with the landing page or the sales page and back up, go the other way.
2: Yeah, I would say it currently it is pretty rare that people are thinking about that. It's it's in their best interest too. And I always try to encourage my clients, like, let's start with what you're trying to accomplish and work backwards from there. But a lot of times, to be honest, Clients aren't, in, they're not expecting that. And so they're they are maybe not ready to. They'll say, well, this is what we have. These are our landing pages, right? This is all this is all we can do, which is when a solution like lead pages or Unbounce can really come in handy. If I'm working with someone who can work with Unbounce, I can say, hey, you know what? I just found this need, right? We have all these keywords and I don't have the right page to drive them to. Can you build out a page that supports that? And then we're able to solve that problem really quickly and still make sure we're getting a high conversion rate on, on the terms that are important for them. Sounds like a lot of
1: teamwork is needed. Yeah, I would so I would say successful. so and more than
2: more than usually exists. Like I think there's there's a need to get to get more collaborative than we currently tend to be.
0: So earlier Amy you mentioned clickbait and I'm trying to sort of think through this. A lot of times I think clients look at paid search and think, "Okay, the metric here is clicks." That's, you know, that's what I'm guessing you're probably measured on most of the time. I could be wrong about that, but Uh, If clickbait works, why would you say that we should avoid it?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think people measure what they know, right? What What is the appropriate KPI or measurement of success for paid search? In my mind, it's business growth. It's figuring out... You know, like I said, like the purpose of, of paying for this whole operation of putting your best offer in front of people who are most likely to take action. The purpose is to accomplish more of something, to get more conversions, to get more, more sales or more clients. And so when you're paying for that, that's what we're measuring. We're looking at, you know, how many leads were we able to get from this or how much, you know, what's, what's the revenue from it? What's the ROI or the cost per, uh, you know, new acquisition, we're we're starting with a bigger metric like that. And there certainly are still a lot of agencies and paid search practitioners who are just measuring things in clicks. You know, I took over a client a few months ago, where their previous agency had given them a report. And they're like, hey, this keyword is your best keyword because it drove 22,000 clicks. Well, it made no sales. So I don't know, I would not qualify 22,000 clicks on something that didn't make a sale. I would not say that's a win. I wouldn't categorize it that way. But they just, they again, they kind of didn't know what questions to ask. And so they're just thinking, oh, that that must be great because traffic equals equals sales eventually, right? Like I think sometimes people just kind of have this idea of the funnel, like, well, you have to get traffic and then you have to convert it into interest and then eventually. It'd be more sales. And so if I want more sales, I have to get more traffic. But there's there's good traffic and there's bad traffic. Good traffic will convert eventually and bad traffic never will. They're just going to go and bounce and it was a waste of your money. So I think that there's a real responsibility of anyone doing paid search to make sure that we're driving the right kind of traffic that's likely to convert at some point and not just driving clicks and saying, hey, look how many clicks I got or look what my click-through rate is if it never resulted in any meaningful Uh, business growth for the company.
0: Kira, I think we should name this episode Amy's One Weird Trick for Driving (laughs) the Right Kind of
1: Traffic. (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, So, (laughs) Amy, what are some best practices for testing ads and messaging to get better insights?
2: Yeah, so I think no matter what, the ad should really reflect the landing page. I know at this point, I'm just saying what I've already said before, but I want to make sure that that I'm consistent <laughs> and on brand with that so that it doesn't sound like I'm just throwing out all these random tips that contradict each other. Make sure that you have a strong call to action on your page and that that's reflected in the ad. From there, to really test the performance of ad copy, there's a couple of things you need to keep in mind. One is that you can set the rotation of the ads. You can either optimize or do an even rotation. And if you're going to test messaging, you want to make sure you have an even rotation uh, so that it's, it's more controlled, right? And so that you're Your different ad variations each get a chance to, to play and participate in the auctions. I think it's really important when you, when you're testing messaging, when you're coming up with different messages to test, to test something that's going to result in a learning that you can, you can learn something about your audience. Like, oh, they value price over prestige or, oh, having something that's fast acting works better for them than having, you know, this, this ongoing benefit. Uh, what I see too often is that people are testing really meaningless things like, well, what happens if I capitalize this word as opposed to, you know, leaving everything, you know, sentence case, or just testing like one word inside the description that no one's really paying attention to anyway. So there's going to be some natural variance there. But you can learn a lot when you have something, you know, two ads that are significantly different in a way that reveals to you more about what your audience really needs. And you can actually take that learning, apply it to the landing page, because, hey, we just learned that price isn't nearly as important as we thought it was. And we were leading with price. And so let's reframe the landing page a little bit. So it reflects more of what our, what our customer is actually looking for and, and willing to convert on. I think that that makes for some really good uh, message testing.
0: So, Amy, earlier you mentioned a couple of tools for landing pages, lead pages, and Unbounce. What are the tools that you use to manage paid search campaigns? And what tools should a copywriter who's working with a client be aware of and and be exposed to? So, they may not necessarily be in, say, an AdWords tool. But maybe there are other things that they need to be doing.
2: Yeah. So I'm not much of a tools girl, to be honest. And I feel like this really disappoints people because, you know, there is so much data and science behind what's going to make something work. And so there's, there's this real desire to basically get everything kind of. AI and machine learning about it that we possibly can. But outside of using you know, the actual engines, like say AdWords or you know, the AdWords interface or AdWords editor, I end up doing a lot that's in Excel or Supermetrics. So Supermetrics is a tool that basically can grab data from different sources and put it together either in Sheets or directly into Data Studio or Excel. And that's going to help me like monitor pacing and budget and how my accounts are doing, which means I don't have to rely on a bid management platform that I used to have to use, then I'd have to pay a certain, a certain percentage of spend, just to be able to look at AdWords performance and Bing performance at the same time. Now I can do that automatically. And I tend to not to not like to use bid management tools, because I have never worked on an account where it's actually been a lift for me. Usually it's just, you know, we're, we're paying more and we're not getting any real value from it. Sometimes I'm sure they, they definitely help the people who are using them, but that just hasn't been my experience. And so it's not something I currently use.
1: I'm really curious to hear about, okay, let's say I'm interested, I, I want to get more into this space and I want to attract clients. Who will hire me to work with someone like you. So how can I improve my process as a copywriter so that it, it is more effective, big picture? And then also like process-wise, it will also sell better on my sales page because it will speak to the client and what they need as far as paid traffic and a copywriter who understands it and can write a great landing page. So what can I do to kind of up my game so I'm attracting better clients in this space?
2: This is an area that I haven't figured out yet. I'm trying to figure it out because I'm on the opposite side of that. Like, I want to work with really good copywriters, right? I don't want to just go to like these bad landing pages that someone who had no idea how to set up a landing page, you know, or you know, just going to a page on the site. I want to, I want to be able to offer. I think having that that CRO or that you know that copywriting side for landing pages is really important, and having paid search traffic that's driving the right traffic to that page. Like those need to go together, and those tend to not go together. So I don't have a whole lot of clients that are like, all right, we found you. We just need a copywriter now. Like they they often think that they don't need a copywriter, right? That they just that these pages are fine. So making for me to be able to convince them like, no, you actually need to invest in copywriting. That can be kind of a big upsell because they weren't really aware of it. And I would imagine that the opposite is true true for you, that if they've hired you on as a copywriter, they're not like, oh, well, we have to make sure we have a paid search person who really gets it, you know, who's not just wasting our budget, because I'll go in and I'll, like I said, I'll audit clients all the time, where it's like, okay, well, you got a lot of traffic. But the point of a paid search isn't just to drive traffic. It's not just a paid version of, you know, how can we get the most traffic possible? It's really, how do we get the right clients? And so I think that the client that's like ready to invest in everything at once and say, "I I want my landing page page person, and I want my paid search person, they need to work together. I haven't seen that person really exist in a way that I wish that they did. But it's it's something that I'm trying to figure out, you know, how can I better partner with people who can get those results for the client's And I don't know the answer yet, but I I would like to. Well,
1: no, that's good to hear, and I appreciate that because I'm just thinking, I would love to work on a, a landing page project with someone like you and where we can both speak the same language. Like, that will be a successful project, but how often is that actually happening? So maybe the key is for you know, the paid search person to find the copywriters that understand and speak the same language to partner almost and then bring each other into these projects and pitch it to the client so that they know it's like a package deal. Maybe that's the direction we need to go.
2: Yeah, I I do think that there's there's an opportunity like that for more collaboration. Like I've worked with Joanna Weeb on projects where she she's written the copy for the pages, but I can come in and say, Oh, you know what, let's not waste our time with that one because there's no search volume for it at all. So let's not test that one out and let's let's try this other one and there's you know, here's this opportunity. And when you're working with someone who gets it, it's really easy. But yeah, it is just kind of finding that opportunity to be able to move forward with that that I would say is is a little bit more tough. But I think it needs to be more common than it is.
0: So one of the biggest problems that we see copywriters in the copywriter club struggling with is finding new clients. And if I'm listening to this, I might think, maybe I could use paid search to start to drive some clients to my own page. If I wanted to do that, Amy, what are some of the things that I need to be thinking through to make sure that I do it right? And then secondly, what's a realistic budget? You know, could I I drive good clients to my page for fifty dollars, you know, per you know conversion or is it, you know, five hundred dollars? You know, what uh without saying it depends, <laughs> is there an answer to that question?
2: Well, so I think I think it's worth saying that the almost every answer to a paid search question is it depends. <laughs> So, and it's really frustrating, like, if you ever ask a, you know, a paid search question, well, it depends. Yeah, of course, it depends. Like, let's think through the question. and Let's get an answer that actually is going to be useful. I think something that's really important for if you're going to be going into this yourself, there's a fundamental difference between spending your own money and spending a client's money. And people, it's, it's hard to understand. And so if if I'll say to a client, like, hey, you know, this is going to, we're going to be, we're going to be learning, you know, we're going to be learning from this budget. And, and they're like, Yeah, okay, I I totally get it. I'm totally invested in the idea of testing and learning. I I I'm on board and then they see that, you know, they spent seventy five dollars or even a couple hundred dollars and they don't have a lead yet, they get sick to their stomach and they turn it off. Like it's it's so easy to say, Yeah, I'm an advocate of testing, but when it's your own money and you're not seeing immediate results, it is so difficult. Like I without exception, everyone that I've ever seen who's committed to spending their own money on a project, they hate it. There's something really visceral about it. So like at best, just acknowledge that that will happen. And so if you're going to commit money to it, just be committed. But otherwise, you're going to go in and spend all this time getting something set up and shut it down when it spent $200 and you didn't see you know, any results from it. Because there is there is definitely a learning curve. You have to have a certain amount of data before you can even start making any sort of decision about uh, where to go with it. That's my first <laughs> recommendation is just be willing to, to either feel sick about it or to just say, you know what, that's not for me. But there's going to be that process. And it's going to feel very, very difficult when it's your own money. From there, another area that's important to understand that's easily misunderstood is who your competition is. We assume that our competition is other people or practitioners or service providers who offer the same thing we offer. And in terms of the AdWords auction, that's not true. Our competition is anyone Who appears in the same listing that we do. So that means that, you know, I sell, uh, cupcake decorations. My competition is Amazon. Even if my competition is not Amazon, you know, if I'm filling out, you know, my competitive landscape, I would never list Amazon as a direct competitor, but it becomes a competitor in the auction. And that's really important to understand because it, Amazon's capacity to spend money to acquired clients is far greater than mine. And, you know, for copywriters, you're going to be facing the same sort of thing, like your competition isn't just fellow copywriters, it's the marketplaces that are showing up, where someone who doesn't know how much, you know, a copywriting project should cost is finding trying to find that out. And they're seeing Indeed, or, you know, frankly, Upwork or really any marketplace where someone could go in and then, you know, they could scan through hundreds of profiles and choose one they want. So it's really easy for that marketplace to make back their investment whereas it's going to for you, the only way to make back your investment is for someone to specifically choose you. So it it can be it can be more of a challenge when there's just one specific product when you're when you're competing against a marketplace. Does that make sense?
0: It does make sense. Are there things that you could do to stand out then using paid search? You know, is it something like I need to niche down or I need to choose a product or develop a product that's very specific? Would those kinds of things help? Or are we still looking at the same kind of problem?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, those sorts of things help. And the more specificity you can get, the better it is. What you'll find is that, you know, when you're at the point that you're bidding on the keyword Rob Marsh, (laughs) like you'll do very, very well, right? Like you are people who are (laughs) 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 are searching for that. I'm going
0: to lose (laughs) all of my leads to Kira. Yeah.
2: No, you know what, and that—that's <laughs> uh, that, something I've seen come up a lot lately. Like this, did not used to be the case where you could just easily bid on someone else's brand name and actually capture their traffic because of um, space issues and because of how the algorithm worked. That you know, you know, if Kira comes in and says, "Hey, I want to bid on on Rob Marsh," it's like, "Okay, but you're Kira," and so there's really little relevance there, and so we're not going to show you very much, and you're going to have to pay this crazy rate. Well, Google- I will pay that crazy rate, that, the- that, Kira. <laughs> No, but but AdWords just recently (laughs) changed their algorithm. This is important to know. So Kira can write an ad now that says... Are you looking for Rob Marsh? Well, you shouldn't because he sucks. (laughs) And then have her ad and then someone just uses Rob Marsh and clicks on it and goes to her page and like, that's it, you know? And it's so weird because it's there's really hyper-aggressive ads now that didn't even used to exist. I mean, honestly, six months ago, I never saw anything like this. And, you know, if there was something, it got disapproved right away. But this is really how the game is being played right now because of the extra space and that change in the algorithm. So something to keep in mind, right? That if there is anything that's, you know, people really need to protect their own brand because- Consumers are very easily misled, which again never was the case wow. before. Ever Damn, dirty. Um dirty. Yeah, no, it's it's it gets really dirty. It's it's nuts how how different it is, but. I mean, l- assuming that people are really interested in, in what Rob has to offer and they get to Kira's page, like, no, I was looking for Rob, right? <laughs> and they're gonna go back. Owning, owning your own brand and like getting as close to that as, as you can, like things that are really gonna describe you, like you're gonna have a lower cost per acquisition on those terms than you do like if you're just bidding on say copywriter, right? I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. The thing is people don't like to, they don't like to spend money on their own brand. They don't like to spend money on things like, well, I could have gotten that anyway because if someone really wanted to work with me, me. They could have just seen my listing in in the organic results. They, I didn't have to pay for it. So there's always that, this back and forth that you're going to go through. And it's a natural process to kind of have those questions. But if you do want to be successful at paid search, you are sometimes going to cannibalize the clicks you could have gotten for free, but you are also going to get additional clicks. So there's so something called the halo effect, basically, that if you're on the page with your paid ad and your organic ad or your organic listing, excuse me, it combines to really say, hey, this person can dominate the space and knows what's up. And they're, they are more likely to click one or the other. And it and it does help.
1: Wow. OK. Giving us a lot to think about as far as strategies for domina- world domination. <laughs> so what is the future of your space and paid search, and w- as far as what is relevant to copywriters, especially, like what should
2: we know about what's coming in paid search? well, what's coming in paid search is it's becoming keywordless, which is really interesting because it has historically been so based on keywords, but Google is getting really, really good at implied intent, you know which means that if i'm looking for if i'm looking for a restaurant and it's 8 o'clock in the morning in Seattle. Google knows it's going to, it's going to serve me ads and listings, you know, local listings and and everything that's, that are going to say, uh, Seattle breakfast, right? I don't have to describe like, Oh, by the way, here's where, here's what my location is. And here's what time it is. It's learning about that. It's learning about what, what searches or queries are commercial as opposed to, you know, if. I guess a, a, an example, like who won the Super Bowl, right? That's that's something that a lot of people are, want to pay money to show up for because, you know, oh, someone who's interested in the Super Bowl is going to be interested in my Super Bowl product. Well, Google has decided that, no, someone just wants that answer. So they're going to give them an answer right away and ignore the fact that I'm trying to bid on it and not even show my ad because they don't think it's going to be relevant to that search. So, I mean, it's kind of a mixed bag. Like, it's ultimately a better user experience. But if I'm really trying to reach a certain audience, then I have Fewer tools to do that in some cases because they're they are paying a lot more attention to commercial intent, but in terms of in terms of copywriting and how it, how that all works together, I think that better landing pages. Like right now, we're still weirdly in in the infancy of like we can have ads that go to horrible pages. I have I have a client who literally their ads go to a a contact us page, and we're getting $5 leads. And the reason is because, you know, I'll try to find one example of a competitor that's doing it better than they are and say, hey, look, you should be like these other guys. They're killing it. There isn't one. Everyone is equally horrible. So if you're actually a consumer looking for this, all of your options are horrible. And so it's like, well, they can get away with it for as long as they can. But as soon as that first player comes into market and has a better experience, it's going to change the game for the rest of this particular industry. And so I, th- I think being able to be there as that progresses, like everyone's going to eventually have to up their game to be able to participate and, and get the leads that they want in response to that.
1: Wait, so can you share what industry this is? Because it seems like a big opportunity for copywriters. <laughs> uh, it's, it's the food service industry.
2: Okay. Yeah, I'm so, so I'm there's, there's just... <laughs> Really, you know, there's just like, hey, we offer quality products, work with us, you know, and that's really all it says. There's nothing psychographic, there's nothing interesting about it at all. We can't get them to say anything that's really, you know, meaningful (laughs) for them. So yeah, if you're the first one who can come in and do that, you're going to change everything.
0: So, Amy, so far we've really been focused on Google, but there are a lot of search universes. Facebook, uh, even Amazon, I think, uh, has some search ability or search opportunities for people. Bing, DuckDuckGo, like, should we mostly just focus on Google because they're the big player, or are there opportunities in these other search engines and uh, platforms for us to be doing search and attracting the right clients?
2: Well, Google definitely has the most volume, So if you want to, you know, put in, put in your effort to set up your settings and targeting and keywords, you're going to get the most instant results from Google. Like there's just more volume to be had there. Both Google and Bing who are the two big, you know, search engine proper players have the option of participating on the search partner networks as well. So if you're using Google, you can also be opted in to use, you know, to showing up on ask.com, or sometimes it's amazon.com, like they're they not transparent at all about their list. But there are many other partners that you could potentially show up on, in addition to Google, that's just going to kind of syndicate out to a bunch of other engines that aren't Google. Bing is the same way. Bing has, has Yahoo traffic. Bing has DuckDuckGo. Like if you wanted to advertise on DuckDuckGo, you're using Bing. That's the only way to advertise for them. So they also have another sort of syndication, although for them it's, it's much more limited as well. So being on Google and Bing is really going to for the most part cover your bases as as far as you know search engine proper anything you know facebook linkedin you're, we're getting into more paid social which is a little effectively different than than search engine marketing or paid search but it also acts the same in that they're both pay per click model. So whereas PPC used to be synonymous with SEM or paid search, PPC now in a lot of people's minds means Facebook and they don't even realize that paid search might be part of that equation. But that that ultimately is getting into a different set of tools and a different approach for how you would market to someone.
0: So Amy, are there any other best practices or things that, you know, we really should need that we haven't talked about or questions that we should have asked you that you're just like, wow, you know, people really need to know this also about paid search?
2: Yeah, one thing I think that it's important to know if you're involved in paid search at all is the difference between a keyword and a search term because those can sound synonymous and they can effectively behave synonymously, but they're very different things. So a keyword is what you bid on and a search term is what someone's actually typing into Google. And so if you're running PPC or if you even work with PPC you need to understand the traffic that's going to your website, looking at the search terms is really going to give you a lot more details than the keywords are. And what you'll also find, this is another important thing, is that Google is always trying to increase its market share, right? Google is responsible. It's a publicly traded company and it's responsible to its shareholders to be increasing its revenues year after year after year. And the way that they're able to do that and do that so aggressively, uh, most of its revenue is coming from the AdWords platform. So what they're doing is they're kind of changing subtly the way that that the AdWords auction works. One one way to do that is to drive up the the auction or cost of bids, that's part of it. But the other is to really expand the reach, expanding the reach on the display network, expanding the reach of even the search network. So whereas a few years ago, if I said, I want to target United States, but I'm willing to reach people who are, you know, in a different country, if, if they specifically are looking for something that suggest that they're really relevant. I could do that pretty easily. Now, if I say I'm willing to reach anyone out of the United States, m- a lot of my traffic is going to come from there. Like they've gotten really, um, generous and <laughs> how they define, you know, interest from a different area. So I want to be really buttoned up in my settings. And then that also the same thing applies for, for keywords where I used to be able to just have a, a you know, someone could broadly search for something that's related and Google's only going to serve up ads against queries that are or search terms that are really relevant to what my keyword was. Now I have to do a lot to try to get really specific and say, you know, I, I'm only willing to bid on this exact match term, or I, there's different ways to modify the keyword. But if I'm not taking those precautions, you know, I, I see quite a bit where someone has, like, well, my, my keywords are great. But then I look at their search terms, like 40% of their search terms are completely unrelated to what their keywords are, because they weren't being careful about it. So I, I'd say that's another thing to keep in mind is to always check with what, what AdWords is doing with the settings that you're giving them because they are going to try to find ways to really expand your reach, maybe a lot further than what you wanted. And so being cautious about that is going to prevent a lot of wasted clicks, wasted spend and wasted traffic going forward.
1: I have one last question for you before we wrap, Amy. So, you know, you're, you're in our space. You've worked with copywriters. You've worked with Joanna. You're coming at it from a different angle. So what advice would you give to copywriters, especially new copywriters who are just starting out and building their businesses that could help them? And it doesn't have to be related to paid search. It just could be an area where you see a lot of opportunity or a big weakness. What advice would you give to, uh, to that new copywriter?
2: Yeah, I I think that copywriting really benefits from understanding business goals. And I think that a lot of times that gets missed. Copywriting can cover a lot of different ground, right? And some people are very, very conversion focused and, you know, looking at the metrics. And some people are kind of more wordsmithy and just like to kind of play with words. I think there's a huge demand for people who understand how what they do ties back to business growth. And there's less and less of a demand for people who just like to like to kind of polish up words and make them sound pretty. And so it's really worth learning the conversion aspect of copywriting and getting into that if you really want to have a, a career in this. Because I th- I think it's just another one of those areas that the more we move kind of towards the future, the future is, it's nice to be able to write something that sounds nice, but it's more important to be able to write something that, you can prove, like, I understand your audience and this is speaking to them and this is helping them solve a problem and then sell, you know, to to really to get focused on that conversion. I think that's we're just going to see more and more of that.
0: That's awesome. Amy, I know you're in the group. In fact, this episode came out of the fact that there were some questions around PPC that you jumped in and answered in the group at one point. But if people want to connect with you or learn more about PPC, have questions for you that we didn't, aren't smart enough to ask, where would they find you?
2: Uh, you can find me at paidsearchmagic.com or uh, my my Twitter handle is, uh, oh my goodness, I just forgot it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> at Amy PPC. I'm like, wait, it's one of those. <laughs> uh, it's, it's at Amy PPC. So you can find me there. Um, either one of those areas, and I'm always happy to to talk and answer questions. I'm really honestly, I'm looking to further develop my relationship with with copywriters, uh, particularly conversion copywriters for basically the same reason Kira was just mentioning that I think there's so much opportunity there. And we're not there yet. But you know, to the extent we can partner and collaborate and put together packages, we can really improve results for our clients. And it's it's just like it's an exponential win, right? It's it's more than just my piece or and your piece. It's it's we're really going to move the needle on that business when we have both practitioners really understanding how it works and so I think there's a real opportunity there
0: I totally agree we really appreciate you coming on the show this has been great so happy to be here thank Thank you thank (laughs) you